you know, two athletes come to mind from the tour days, right. Of having something wrong that was impacting their performance and them feeling sick more frequently than they should have. And like, what do we do with that? Right. And, you know, it turned out to be uh, Lyme disease, right. (laughs) In Uh in a weird autoimmune, you know, condition, you know, in another case, both at the same time. And you and I were kind of stuck (laughs) handling those two athletes trying to like figure it out. out. And, 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 you know, and top 10 players. Right. And like, how is this, beautiful young woman that's so healthy and at the peak of her career suffering right so that that really kind of led to it and and that's my inquisitive mind anyway nothing is ever good enough for me I keep asking questions and annoy the crap out of everybody right because I'm like well but why well why like what you're saying doesn't make any sense and you know so like we need to go like figure it out so that's essentially functional medicine is like digging deeper to find the root cause of why somebody's physiological experience, you know, is off. If you've ever asked yourself, how can I get better clinical outcomes for my patients? Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Rehab Links Secrets to Success podcast, where I will be interviewing experts and teaching you how to access the best technologies, strategies, resources, and solutions so you can get the best outcomes that your patients deserve. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Rehab Links Secrets to Success podcast. I'm Lisa Chase, your host, and today I have one of my favorite people, Nadine Wagey, out from Idaho. How are you, Nadine? I'm doing great, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so good to see your face. <laughs> I'm uh, Me too. I know. I've been so looking forward to this. So a little back history on Nadine. So Nadine is a physical therapist athletic trainer extraordinaire. Uh, And I met her when I was, her and I were working together on the professional women's tennis tour. And we worked together for many years and we just hit it off and became really good friends. And, you know, we've shared, you know, tips and tricks and our knowledge, whether it be services, treatments, you know, and uh, various products along the way. And, um, and I am so excited to kind of hear about what you're doing now. I know that you're, you know, you now have um, a little bit of a different practice where you now got training in functional medicine. I'm so excited to hear about that. I think that's so great that you're integrating that into your clinical practice as a physical therapist. And, you know, uh, Nadine does a lot and has taught me a lot about gait analysis and about foot mechanics and how that really plays a role. And we have very similar philosophies and looking at the whole body. So let's just jump in. And why don't you kind of give our listeners a little background on you and your journey and where you are today? Uh, sure. Thanks, Lisa. Um, yeah, so I was this, I'm from the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. That's a thing, right? If you're not, if you don't know about it, I'm a youper and that's a thing. And so I grew up playing outside and I got injured a lot when I was a kid because I was doing crazy stuff, right? And um, oftentimes I had to go to the doctor and then the doctor was like, oh, it's a growing pain or, oh, it'll just get better because you're a kid, right? They never sent me for therapy. They never did anything to help. And it was really frustrating particularly as an athlete, because it would limit then my 
performance or limit my ability to actually participate in whatever sports season it was. Um, and so by the time I was a junior or senior in high school, I was like, I think I'm going to go into sports medicine and I'll actually listen to my patients. Right? <laughs> I'll actually try to help them. Um, so yeah, I went to undergrad, uh, pre-med bio major, and then um, really was interested in athletic training and being on the field and kind of learning more about the athletes and, and what happens with them. So I was a student um, athletic trainer in undergrad and then worked with the sports med doctors who of course would be on the sideline with us and whatever. And the more I got to know them, the more I realized that they didn't really do anything either. I mean, you know, they just, they didn't, you know, they didn't get to know their athletes or their patients, you know, mm -hmm. either you need surgery or you don't. And then I'm referring you to physical therapy or go back and work with the athletic trainer. And I was like, well, actually, want to help people. I don't want to get stuck in the system because I learned that the healthcare system was, you know, very, you know, in these little tiny boxes and not every athlete fits in that box. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to be a really good athletic trainer. And, and I learned fairly quickly that athletic trainers um, at the time, it's changed now, but at the time really had limited access or limited ability to manual therapy skills. They, they, there weren't a lot of classes available for that. And I knew that athletes got better if you actually touched them and worked on them a little bit. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll go to PT school so I can be a better athletic trainer. So um, that's kind of where that led me into PT school, which I hated. I, I couldn't stand physical therapy school. <laughs> really? <laughs> It was terrible for me. I didn't like anything about it. Um, <laughs> oh, I know it out. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so that was interesting, but that, uh, led me, you know, well, I went to Emory in Atlanta and, um, I worked as an athletic trainer for the university as a, as a grad student or a grad athletic trainer while I was in PT school. And I met Karen Davis um, through that and our mutual friend. And, um, Karen was a great mentor for me and, um, you know, so her and I stayed friends, stayed in touch after. And um, yeah, so that's kind of like a little bit of my background. Then I worked for a big um, outpatient sports medicine clinic that was part of a system in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I got to do a half and half job, which was awesome. So I was half doing athletic training, covering school events, you know, some professional sporting events, some different things like that, which was really fun. And then pulling that into the clinic. And when I first started in that clinic, the the PT who left, whose job I took was their orthotic guru. He was the guy that did biomechanics and orthotics. So they're like, well, you're coming in. We're, we need you to learn this so you can take over his role, right? So I started oh, wow. like straight away, started taking biomechanics and orthotic classes. And I'm a very analytical person and very good at analyzing that stuff. So it was a really a natural fit for me. And so um, really kind of honed in and, and niched a little bit into the um, biomechanics side of sport and, and working with my athletes and patients in that, in that regard. Um, yeah. And then from there moved to Chicago, a friend of mine had a clinic there um, and they were expanding, opening some new clinics. And he's like, Hey, can you come and run a clinic for us here? You know, we'd love your sports background or whatever. And it was just time for a change for me. So moved to Chicago and I was there for a few years and did an outpatient ortho clinic there, covered a couple of other sports events on the side uh, as an athletic trainer and actually did a lot of work comp cases, which was kind of interesting. I hadn't, okay. hadn't done that before. So I learned work hardening and, you know, right. some of that kind of stuff. Um, worked really closely with a few orthopedic surgeons in the Chicago area, which was great. Learned that. And then we also did hand therapy. We didn't have an OT, whereas in Green Bay, we had an OT, like a hand therapist. So I actually learned a lot of hand therapy stuff while I was in Chicago as well. So that was kind of 
helpful and useful. And again, it's very mechanical. So that was, was quite interesting for me. Um, and then Karen Davis called me and she's like, Hey, I started working in professional tennis and they're always looking for people. I gave them your number. And then I don't know, like two days later, I think either you or Kathleen called me and, um, you know, and then I was like, no, no, thanks. <laughs> it took a year before I finally showed up there. So we've actually known each other for 20 years now. I know. Can you, I know it's like, where does the time go? Yeah, that was 2003. I know. And so then, yeah. So, so maybe tell the listeners a little bit, cause of course I haven't really talked too much about my experience on the tour. So talk about, you know, what it was like to be, you know, a primary healthcare provider on the WTA tour and travel around the world, taking care of the best athletes around. Yeah, I think, I, um, well, my favorite thing was working with people like you, right? Like awesome. you were such a great mentor to me, but we all, we all were, right? Because we had an international staff of, yes. of PTs from all over the world that were trained differently, all with a love for sport. Um, and so we just learned so much from each other constantly. I mean, you know, dry needling wasn't even heard of in the U.S., but we had colleagues from Australia that were doing it, right? And, um, you know, that was just awesome to be able to do that. And um, yeah, so I think that was just this huge eye-opening thing. And I'd worked in sports for a long time. So I'd been with sports med doctors, I'd been with sports dietitians and sports psychologists. So none of that part of it was new for me, a, mm -hmm. a great part of the WTA, for sure, that collaboration. Yeah. Um, but just have the skill level of our coworkers um, as primary healthcare providers was just amazing. And I, I learned so much and really honed my skills. Um, so that was awesome. You know, you know, it, it was tough. It's not an easy job. <laughs> I know. Very, very rigorous. Uh, worked insane hours. Um, when people ask me about it, I'm like, well, one time I worked 52 days in a row straight without a day off and yeah. they're 15 or 18 hour days. And that's nope. not a lie. Nope, totally not a <laughs> lie. I've done that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, that, that part of the job was, was, was kind of brutal. It was very, was very, um, energy zapping and sometimes a little defeating but you know we saw the instant results with the athletes because when you're working with you know a high level elite athlete and they're getting treatment sometimes multiple times a day yeah. they're just on this whole other level than the general population so having that instant gratification oh they got better and now they just went and performed and they won and you know that treatment was helpful like that that part of it was was fantastic as well so um yeah, I did that for seven years full time, three years as a contractor. And um, yeah, it was a lot, but it was but it was great. And um, I, I was happy to leave when I left. It was a good timing for me. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I and then I stayed in sports. I moved to California and opened a huge sports center um, with a friend of mine and uh, was there for 10 years. And we had a um, this huge facility and our primary sport was volleyball and it was predominantly high school girl volleyball um, athletes that were there. And then um, that kind of led me to where I am now. I, you know, we opened this big facility. We have about 300 girls that play volleyball that were there on a daily basis. And we had an athletic training room like set up for them in my PT clinic. So between three and 9 PM, it was pretty much just triage similar to on the tour, you know, whatever athlete got injured, needed help came in. I had, um, student athletic trainer. I had a massage therapist and strength and conditioning coach working for me, you know, some staff that could help. And that was really fun. And, and then what happened was these kids would come in, they'd get this, you know, treatment and get better. And their parents would come to pick them up or would call me to find out what was going on. Or I would talk to their doctors about, you know, there's an injury, go see this doctor and the doctor would call me. Um, so I just started getting a ton of referrals from that. So, you know, from eight in the morning until 3 p.m., I, I saw clients in the clinic and yeah. 
And so I shifted a little bit in terms of, because there was a little bit of a demographic that was there. It was these kids' parents, right? Who are now kind of my my age now, right? Like, you know, from their mid forties to their mid sixties and we have menopause playing into their function, andropause for the men. Um, you know, that sandwich generation of starting to take care of their parents, plus they still had high school kids at home. And so um, really started diving a little bit deeper into how to help these middle-aged people. Um, right. And that, that kind of led me to functional medicine, right? And so started to really see how different things would affect these people and then also even the younger athletes or some of the high level athletes you know there's a whole human being beside behind their injury and um so learning you know cellular physiology learning hormonal stuff learning food a little bit better um i was able to help people more by by recognizing what other things are playing into their aches and pains aside from their physical injuries so um yeah so i did that for a decade and then that was in the san francisco bay area and just that the grind of that area was tough, right? It's really yeah. hard to make a living. I had a super successful, busy practice. You know, it was a six week waiting list to get in to see me. I had a, a PT, an athletic trainer, a massage therapist working with me. We ended up bringing Pilates in. I had a cranial sacral therapist sharing space and another massage therapist and we were just busy, right? So, uh, and I could barely make a living there because it was just so expensive. You know, it was, it was crazy to have a, to have a mm -hmm. clinic there. And still be able to see everybody. You know, people are like, well, why don't you just raise your prices up? Like you could easily charge like $500 an hour. And I said, yeah. And then, then who's my clientele, right? I like helping my high school kid. I like helping my teacher. I like helping the postman or the UPS driver or whatever. I don't only want to see tech CEOs, right? So, um, and that, you know, so that was my own choice, but it was tough. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, left there and moved to North Idaho of all places. And yeah, it's crazy. I live on 40 acres waterfront. I'm looking at the lake right now on Lake Coeur d'Alene. And um, I, I essentially work part-time and um, have shifted, you know, my practice. So I see people in, in person um, part-time and then do online telehealth clientele. So doing more, I don't know, health management or advocacy and kind of helping people figure out when they've tried all these different things you know, seen all these different practitioners and gone through all this stuff and no one's giving them answers. I kind of help really pull the whole picture together for them and, and then, um, be like, okay, we've looked at everything down to the root cause. And it seems like it's an endocrine problem for you, or it is your spine, your spine's out of whack. That's leading you to have, you know, these different symptoms or whatever. So really kind of helping direct people into finding the right care. So. And that's so great, you know, and I think our experience on the tour as a primary healthcare provider, you know, really <clears throat> opened the door to that more, you know, whole body approach because we had a team of people and when athletes came in, right, we looked at everything. We had to look at the whole entire athlete. Um, so I think, yeah, you and I have a lot of that in common. And, but I'd love for you to talk just a little bit about the functional medicine piece, right? Because some of our listeners may, have heard about it, maybe they haven't, but you know, kind of what is it and and how is it really different from the traditional model? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, so I think you know, one of the you know, two athletes come to mind from the tour days, right? Of having 
something wrong that was impacting their performance and them feeling sick more frequently than they should have. And like, what do we do with that? Right. And, <clears throat> you know, it turned out to be uh, Lyme disease, right. In a weird autoimmune, you know, condition, you know, in another case, and both at the same time. And you and I were kind of stuck <laughs> handling yeah. those two athletes trying yeah. to like figure it out. Figure what it out. And, 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 you know, and top 10 players. Right. And like, yeah. how is this, beautiful young woman that's so healthy and at the peak of her career suffering right nice. so that that really kind of led to it and and that's my inquisitive mind anyway nothing is ever good enough for me I keep asking questions and annoy the crap out of everybody right because yeah. I'm like well but why well why like what you're saying doesn't make any sense and you know so like we need to go like figure it out so yeah. That's essentially functional medicine is like digging deeper to find the root cause of why somebody's physiological, experience you know is off right why we're not functioning normal right and sometimes it sometimes it's anatomical and sometimes it's you know at a cellular level from a lung perspective or hormones or whatever so functional medicine just kind of takes a look at at the big picture of all the symptoms what could it be what's your environment what you know what are things that may have influenced your your body and then trying to find out what got thrown out of alignment or out of whack right so if you have a hormonal imbalance or you have exposure to heavy metal toxicity or um, mold or whatever that is those will impact you and that impacts you greatly as an athlete who's at this super high level yep. and that little that mold exposure right even if you're super healthy but you're exposed to mold will change what's happening in your hormones your digestion and your sleep and so th those few things that aren't quite right will knock your performance down five percent and when you're in the top one percent as an athlete That's you right. lose five percent you're out right yep. there goes the paycheck there goes everything so um <clears throat> I think that was the bigger thing for me. And I had, excuse me, I had a, an athlete that I was working with in, in California. He was a, a Paralympic sprinter um, and he was training, like he had kind of gotten away from it for a while. And then I started working with a lot of adaptive athletes and adaptive coaches. Mm -hmm. And one of the coaches I started working with, who was also a strength and conditioning coach, um, met him was like, wow, you have a ton of potential still. Like, why did you quit? training and so he started training and was was going to go for the next um paralympic games and he hit this this wall or this plateau like i just can't get over it right and, it's just, and we started to try to figure it out and so i was treating him pretty regularly and trying to figure it out and and he wasn't sleeping as well so i started looking at his food you know, I'm like, maybe you need to give up gluten or dairy, like, cause those things cause inflammation and you just have this recurring inflammation in your body. And then I kind of had this aha moment. Uh, he was covered in tattoos, both arms, full tat sleeves, chest back. And I said, you know, tattoo ink is metal. Oh maybe you have heavy metal toxicity. And so we tested him for that. And sure enough, that was a big part of his issue. Wow. So, um, you know, it was affecting his performance again at that elite level, you know, right. he ended up not actually qualifying for Paralympics. He was off just a little bit, you know, you know, half a second or whatever it is, but that makes a huge difference. And yeah. so um, started, changed his diet, started doing a detox for heavy metal and, you know, got rid of his symptoms over time. And at that point in time, he, he decided not to go back to sport. Um, but that, as a PT, you know, we have to kind of consider when somebody yeah. is getting better and it seems like they should, is there an underlying health condition that maybe hasn't been discovered that's impacting their ability to heal, you know, because it's affecting their sleep or their, their diet or, or all of those things. So 
that's yeah. kind of a little bit of functional medicine, like why I went that route. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just so, it's just so important because we see it all the time. I just had a patient the other day came in, you know, with hip bursitis and I'm doing the treatment that I would normally do that should get better and she's getting worse. And I'm right. like, something's not right. And sure enough, she was having a Lyme flare, had mold yeah. exposure, you know, all these things were were impacting her ability to heal. And it really didn't matter what I was going to do until that is addressed. Um, it's going to be hard to get somebody like that out of pain, you know, and totally. heal. So, yeah. So I love, I love the functional medicine approach. And so I'm excited that you kind of went that route and that you're, you know, including that, you know, in your services. So that's really great. So um, I know you get great outcomes. So let's dive into um, your top tips for what you think it takes to get great outcomes. Uh, yeah, great question. It's funny. I've been listening to your podcast and, <laughs> and listening to some of the other people that, that we mentioned that I know it's so fun to hear. And I um, listened a couple of days ago to, to Galen when you had him on. I don't I personally know him, but I was like, man, yeah. he's stealing all my ideas. I know he gets <laughs> so some really good ones. I know. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I don't want to use any of his. So <laughs> I would say um, kind of three tips for, for success for me. Um, number one is comprehensive care, right? Really taking an extensive history. I mean, when I have a new client, I literally have two hours for a new client. I spend, depending on how old they are, right? How long their history is. I spend a good hour going over history. I ask crazy questions. I ask about sleeping. I ask about dental work. I ask about, um, you know, their sex life, whatever, like everything that might impact yeah. their overall health. And, and that helps narrow down stuff that people might not forget, you know, because otherwise when you're treating in the clinic, if you don't have that whole history, they, they didn't tell you something because they forgot about it. Yeah. Right. And then you're, you're three, four weeks into it and you can't figure out why they're not getting better. And they're like, oh, well, I had cancer two years ago and I had this body part removed. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, that would have been helpful to know. to know. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I am really comprehensive in my history. Um, and then again, you know, I look at the whole person. What it's not just a body part. Somebody doesn't come to see me just for tennis elbow, right? What caused that tennis elbow? You know, a lot of times it's coming from the foot or ankle, you know, and, and people don't look at that. So I'm looking very comprehensively, not only from biomechanics, but also at their overall health and wellness too, and what what's impacting their day and their emotional stress and, and their mental health too is such a big part of it. So um, being being as comprehensive as I can and trying to understand that whole person, um, I would say. So whatever you have time for in your practice and your in your style of club clinic, like try to be as comprehensive as you can. Um, and if you're really you can be very methodical about your history so that you can get the information you need by asking it. So I have a form, you know, I have a form that I don't actually let them fill out. I, they fill out very generic information. And then I ask them very specific questions because they won't think the way that I do. And I can get through it relatively quickly because I have kind of my system now for being comprehensive. Um, so it doesn't have to take that long. It just depends how much the person talks, right? How much, how much they really want to share uh, with you. But um, yeah. And then I think another tip number two, I would say is creativity, man, you got to think outside the box, right? Oh, like, God, especially, yeah. especially if they're coming from some, you know, they've already tried PT, they've already been in the system and it didn't work for them. Right. So, yes. so being creative, trying all of the tools, right? Like, you know, if this, I'm going to try this with you, see how you do after today, but you know, please come back. Cause even if it didn't work for you, there are other things I can do that I have in mind. I just don't want to do all of it at one time because we, then we don't know what works or doesn't work or overwhelm you. So, um, you know, adjusting and trying different tools for, for different, um, athletes and that, you know, for me, I think creativity 
includes some technology. I've used a lot of different technology over the years. I'm, I've, I've pared it way down now. I'm back to being relatively basic um, just because I'm limiting my practice. But um, <clears throat> motor patterns, training the brain, right? I mean, gosh, like, you know, I've, I've heard a couple people on the podcast and, and the same for me, breathing patterns. How is somebody breathing, right? If you don't fix that first, nothing else is going to really work, right? So really looking at how do we retrain the brain? I do... Um, restorative breathing, which works on cranial nerve sequencing, right? So I've done a lot of work and I personally know Lois Laney really well. She's fantastic. And she has this whole system for, for looking at breath work and, and retraining cranial nerve sequencing. So I'm having people do weird stuff with vision training and I will often send or refer out to vision therapists, uh, myofunctional therapists, because sometimes the tongue is sitting weird and that just impacts the, the whole body, right? So again, just kind of getting creative and, and comprehensive. And then um, the third thing, and I think every single person that's been on your podcast has said this, and this is how you and I work as well, is collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. Again, you know, looking at like what other complementary therapies that could help, right? Mm -hmm. I can help somebody for sure, but I may not be the be all and end all, right? Well, the, yes. the type of PT I offer isn't the right thing. So I'm going to refer out to vision therapy or myofunctional therapy or Nuka chiropractic. I like a lot. I refer for that. Um, cranial sacral therapy, right? Like, so I kind of built a team of complementary practitioners and we work collaboratively and, and, or I call you, right. Or some of our yeah. other friends, I'm like, this yeah. complicated client. And I don't, you know, like, what, what would you do for this? Right. So just really trying to, you know, again, be, take that creativity of all the tools, which includes your resources of other people. Right. So just yes. being, you know, collaborative in like, how do I help this person? And I, and sometimes helping them isn't me, right. Sometimes yeah. helping them, making them better is by getting them to the person with the skill that's going to help them the most. Right. So, um, yeah, I would say that, um, ooh, all C's comprehensive, <laughs> creative and collaborative would be my three, you know, I would say primary tips in terms of how I, how I have had success. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I so agree. So, you know, history is so important. I always say the mysteries in the history. And so, you know, you just have to ask the right questions and then stop and listen and the patient will tell you what you need to know. And then we do our exam and that just usually confirms, you know, what it is that we're, you know, that we're suspecting because you, you're, if you're asking the right questions, you're going to kind of at least kind of have a hypothesis before you can put your hands on them. So I'm totally with you on that. Um, I always talk about that for my new therapist and when I'm teaching as well. And then of course, whole body approach, I think is, you know, is just so, um, critical and you know patients are frustrated that they're having to go you know to multiple doctors to see you know to see for multiple body parts or different issues that are going on as opposed to one practitioner you know who can kind of look at the whole system and then maybe quarterback right so exactly. maybe the things that we can do specifically in our expertise but then like you said collaborate and you know, we may have to go, okay, but I need you to also go over here and see this person. I have people in my practice that do visceral manipulation, like that's not my specialty, right? And so, you know, but if I, somebody needs that or pelvic floor, then you, you have those networks within your community or within your clinic. And like you said, you got to get creative and think outside the box. And I think, you know, our experience on the tour definitely taught us that, you know, you're plunked somewhere, you know, in the world, you only have certain supplies, somebody comes in, they got an issue, 
especially when it came to like orthotics or taping, you know, we had to just get so creative with what do we have on hand? What does the athlete need? And now how do I, you know, how do I try to give them what they need with the resources that I have? And so it definitely made us have to be super creative and think on our feet. And uh, like you said, sometimes what we can offer is not what they need. And I think patients really appreciate when you say, I can't help you, this is not my expertise, or I don't think what we're doing is what you need, but let me help connect you or find somebody who can. And patients really appreciate that. So I'm with you. For sure. I, you know, one of the things that I did and, and I've had a lot of students come through that have worked with me and hired quite a few of them, um, over, over the years. Um, I, I take a ton of classes. I'm constantly going to continuing ed. I'm constantly calling my call coworkers. And a lot of the continuing ed I do isn't even just for physical therapists. Cause that's also limited. Right. So I go to ran, I, you know, like I was working with this um, sleep dentist and I was going to these conferences with him specifically for, for sleep dentists and how to, how to help kids with airway issues. Right. And, and again, that's not my expertise, but then he and I could work together. Cause a lot of times it's coming from a right. cervical issue, right. Or a cranial issue. And um, you know, and so then I would, would say like, Hey, I think this kid needs malfunctional therapy or whatever. And we would kind of work that way. Um, yeah. So doing continuing education outside of, outside of the box so that you learn, not that I'm going to be the expert in that, Absolutely. but I want to understand and it so I know how to refer it right Absolutely. so so even just from PT perspective right like I've done a couple levels of craniosacral treatment or classes you know right. courses of that, visceral I've visceral. done visceral. me too I've done all these courses so that I learn it and understand it and it's not my niche yeah but I can introduce it like I can get a patient on the table and I can do top 10 craniosacral the the, the top 10 things you know that little first initial thing just to see how they respond to it and if we get a good result then I'm like great now you're going to go see this therapist who specializes in that and they're going to help you because a lot of times what I have found with patients if I initially say like I can do this with you but I also think you need this then they're like oh well you don't want to help me you're just going to send me somewhere else just like everybody else did so a lot of times I will introduce something that I have a little bit of skill in just so that they can see what I'm talking about and then I'll be like I'm not, I know someone that's better at this than me. So yeah. go see them. And then what I do and together we can, you know, we can, we can improve your situation. Right. Yeah. So I think that is, is, is so true, right. Being able to think outside the box, but then also to know enough about the other stuff so that you actually know what you're talking about when you're, when Absolutely. you're referring. Yeah, it, it's, it is. It's so important. And I, I'm right with you. Like I, I went to some dental conferences as well and, you know, not so much that I was going to, oh, I'm going to do these things. Right. right. But the more you can be educated on different specialties, whether it be surgeries or like we work with a regenerative medicine doctor, you know, a myotherapist, different dentists that do different kinds of things for TMJ that, you know, that we don't do, whether it be mouth guards, you know, having those resources and knowing these are options for patients. I mean, that, you know, I think that that's, that's huge because a lot of times doctors or therapists will just go, well, I can't help you. And that's, and that's the end. And, and exactly. And so I really like to try the best I can, you know, is to have those resources and to have another option for them. So, yeah. So, um, so I, I want to hear your take on, um, a few tips that 
you think your audience, I know whether it's students, it could be patients, it could be, you know, like when you were on the tour or teaching, um, but what, what are some tips that you can provide that, that your audience really loves about you? I know I have some. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think one of the big things from a patient perspective, and I try to also teach this to, to my students or to, to young practitioners, is, is making a connection with somebody, right? Like having a rapport with a patient is huge. So asking questions about who they are, not yes. just about their injury. And yes. I think that's where that comprehensive history comes in, right? So so in in the way that I ask questions and, you know, and I, and I try to read people per, and I'm pretty good at it. If I can joke around with them a little bit or if I need to be more nurturing, you know, kind of really reading their personality. So that after the first 30 minutes, I you know, I hear from people all the time like, wow, no healthcare practitioner has ever spent this much time with me or yes. ever asked me about what I feel or about how I am, right? And so making that connection really, that right there gets buy-in. They really want to, they really want to, tr they trust you and want to do that with you, right? So I think that's, you know, a big thing. And then, um, and then I'm, I, I persevere. I want to figure it out. I want to help you. So I'm not ever going to give up. I'm going to find that other practitioner that can help you. I'm going to take those, you know, late night phone calls or text messages. You know, I, I really want to help people. So that, that perseverance, I think they see that as, as a way of caring as well. Um, and then I would say in terms of you know, one other thing is, is being practical. I'm like the most pragmatic person out there, right? So being very practical and simple. People don't, are not going to do a home exercise program that takes them an hour and a half. They're not yes, going to, exactly. right? So like, what are three things I can give them that are going to take them less than 10 minutes that they can incorporate into their day? And I'm constantly yeah. giving tips like, okay, every day when you brush your teeth, you're going to do this. And then when you're standing at the kitchen sink doing dishes, you do this. Or when you're at work, do this, right? So making little really self, um, self-care things that are super simple and practical, they don't feel overwhelmed and they'll buy in and they'll do much more, right? And then, you know, I'm like, okay, well then three times a week, I do actually want you to do a bigger exercise session. And this is what I want you to work on. Or or, you know, or whatever that is. Um, and they're more apt to do that if they're, if on the day-to-day -day they have some really simple self-care things that they can do, um, you know, so if you can empower people by by keeping it simple, it's, it's huge, right? And, and, and my goal always is to empower somebody. You know, I think when I have a new client, my first kind of overall arching goal is um, enhance their quality of life by improving their function, right? Like, um, and, and then empowering them to how to manage their health or how to, how to not feel, um, overwhelmed or hopeless. Right. So kind of like getting that in as, as an overall goal. And then of course, each session, I have a little bit, a little goal for each session, which is to, you know, make a change, right. All we want to do is make a change. When you see that there's change, even if it's, uh, even if at first they go downhill a little bit, okay, but we made a change from something that hasn't changed for you in a long time, right? So now we know we can do something, right? Yeah, I think, you know, meeting patients where they're at is, you know, that's super important. And, you know, just giving them a few things that are realistic, like, you know, what's going to be manageable for them. Like, I, I always try to establish that on the first go around, right? Because sometimes people are like, I don't like to exercise. It's like, okay, so is it one thing a day? Or is it, you know, three things you can handle? Like, let's kind of, you know, meet, you know, meet, you know, where you're at. And then, you know, let's try to figure that out. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, super important. And, and you know, relatability to me is key. I always say to my therapist and to my staff, be interested, not interesting. 
And, you know, I think too often we're caught up in talking about ourselves and when patients are here and they're coming in for care, you know, the focus needs to be on them, right? And getting to know them, you know, as a person, I think, like you said, builds that relationship, builds that trust. And, you know, then they're more apt to go, okay, you know, this is a partnership and, you know, you show that you care and it really can make a difference. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's interesting. I've had a ton of injuries. I like, so when people come in and they see me, oh, you know, this is what their injury is. And, and, and I'm like, as I get to know them a little bit, I'll be like, well, you know, I, I've had that, right? And then they see that I'm not suffering and that I'm like a pretty healthy person and I physically active. And so then that, that also kind of give, give them hope, right? Like, oh, I've had that herniated disc in my neck. I've had that <laughs> herniated disc in my low back. I broke my foot, you know, like all these different things too. So so sometimes I'll pull that out as, as a way to relate to people as well. Like I can be like, well, I, I, I you know, I understand how you feel. I've had that injury before and look how well I am. So what, I know we can help you. Right. And sometimes that that's like, oh, okay. Right. That can make that difference. And maybe she does understand me. Right. Understand what I'm, what I'm yeah. doing. Yeah. That relatability. Yeah. That's so true. Um, well, a couple things that I appreciate about you. Um, I, I love your no nonsense. You know, I know like if I, you know, whether it be as a friend or as a, you know, colleague, when I come to you, you know, you are just not, you know, you're just going to tell me like it is, and you're going to tell me the information I need to know. And, you know, I love that about you. And I love your analytical brain. You know, I mean, I've come to you with several things like gate and, you know, cause complex cases, and you can take all this like, you know, complicated stuff and you, you know, your brain, just the way that it thinks, it'll just kind of siphle it down to be like, okay, like now let's look at like these three things and you make it very easy. Um, I remember when you were teaching us, you know, orthotics and mechanics and all, you know, shoe, you know, you know, different types of things when we were working with the athletes on the tour. So I so appreciate that about you for sure. Yeah, everything in life. Keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so true. Well, awesome. Well, this has been so much fun to catch up with you. Um, is there anything else of value you would like to offer our listeners? Uh, I would say listen to this podcast. <laughs> has been a wonderful and yeah, and share. Exactly. She's been a wonderful mentor to me and really knows her stuff. And I, you know, I would say, you know, keep learning and keep searching, right? If you're not finding the answers for what you think you need, um, whether that's you as a patient or you as a practitioner, it's out there right and just just ask you know and look for it and call people you know and when you ask for stuff or when you share I have this idea but I'm not really sure where to go when people hear about that it will they'll you have no idea who knows you know something that can help you achieve what you want to right so I you know share stuff with people I would say is probably the biggest thing and um you know and you know in that in on that same plane like I'm trying I'm right now part of what I'm doing by, by shifting my practice to you know this more part-time in-person thing is I'm trying to build more resources available to people so that they can find some of that so I'm, I'm working on a video library right now that that I hope to to post um in the new year and, and at least get a, a couple dozen videos starting um and then I'm, I'm been working on a book that's going to lead to an app for for some information right so there there's a lot of stuff that's out there now and then uh, me with my niche kind of coming in with some with some new stuff too in the in the next six months so um again just just trying to help people right help you find yep. you know, resources um and if you don't ask for help you'll never get it so 
Yeah, well, I'm excited to see what you come up with uh, for sure. So um, uh, so tell uh, tell our audience how they can find you. I will put all your information, you know, in the show notes, but um, best way if they want to reach out and learn more or interested in a functional medicine consultation, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, so my website is as NW Integrative PT. So NW is Nadine Waggy or Northwest, however you want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so NWIntegrativePT.com and a lot of information on there, including my contact info. Um, otherwise, my, my email has been acting a little funny lately. So just my first and last name at gmail.com is my personal, but that'll get people to me. Um, and you go ahead and post my phone number. If, if anybody wants to call me as well, that's totally fine. But um, yeah, I have my Rumble channel. It's, it will be coming soon. I'm not actually going to launch it till I have enough content on there, but yep. that'll come up in the new year. Um, Rumble is a video streamer like YouTube, um, only better in my opinion. Um, <laughs> so that'll be, uh, that'll be coming out. And then, yeah, I'll let you know when I, when my other stuff finally comes uh, out to the public. So. Awesome. Well, I can't wait. And for all the listeners out there, I'm going to say stay tuned because Nadine and I soon will be doing a podcast where she is going to interview me. That's right. <laughs> Everybody gets to know a little more about Lisa's amazing uh, background. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you and your friendship. So until next time, keep getting great outcomes. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Rehab Link's Secrets to Success. If you haven't already, please share this out so that more people can get access to Rehab Link's Secrets to Success. Now, if you would like to work with us and connect with my team, please go to www.rehablinksystems.com where you can find our free tools, online trainings, and many resources to help you get great clinical outcomes. We look forward to serving you. Until next time.